What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the fourth episode of the I'm a Tell Like a TIA's podcast with your host, Jai Shields. Got lots of stuff to talk about, to talk with you today. Uh, it's the final day, the time I'm recording this episode. Today is the final day, the final game, game 162 of the 2018 regular season. And I'm going to touch on the national, the tight National League pennant race that's going on between the Cubs, between the Cubs and the Brewers. A half a game separates them for the division title and the, and the Rockies and the Dodgers, same thing. Half a game separates, excuse me, half a game separates those two teams from winning either the division title or being a wild card team. Uh, I got to touch on that. Also going to recap week three action, of course, in the NFL. Um, And then I will recap the Thursday night game between the Vikings and the Rams. And then I will talk about and then I'll talk about two games that I'm looking for and paying attention to between the the Bears and the Buccaneers and tonight's NBC Sunday Night Football Game of the Week between the Steelers and the Ravens, and I'll give you my picks, and we'll get on up out of here. Um, but first things first, I'm going to touch on the National League pennant race. Like I said, half a game separates the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers for the National League Central Division title. The Cubs are playing the uh, St. Louis are playing the St. Louis Cardinals today. All games, by the way, MLB game one sixty two. They start at uh, three o'clock Eastern time. Uh, and baseball put that so no team has like a leg up on it's basically for the sake of competition everyone plays at the same time so no one has like a leg up and and having extra rest or or they get to know how to they get to have the option to try or not try because because a game early in the afternoon you know, a certain they needed a certain team to win or lose, and that happens, so they don't go out there and try. It's for sake of competition that Major League Baseball put into play a few years back. But anyway, um, yeah. So the Cubs and the Brewers, um, just the game separates them and the record and their uh, respective records in the National League and the look in the West it's the Rockies and the Dodgers for the National League Western Division title um the Dodgers clinched the uh, playoff spot yesterday by beating their rival the San Francisco Giants out in AT&T Park in San Francisco uh about a final score of 10 to 6 old Orioles uh reject Manny Machado uh, went two for five with a go-ahead triple to put the Dodgers up six to five in the eighth inning. Uh, with the Dodgers, he's hitting two sixty-seven with thirteen home runs and forty RBIs. 
you put that together with his uh, stats he did here in Baltimore, um, he's in 295 with 37 home runs, 105 uh, RBIs. And as I'm looking at the uh, stats here in front of me, the Brewers, um, Brewers uh, won last night. So the Brewers and Cubs are in a tie for first place. The Cubs lost last night, and the Brewers took care of business against the uh, Detroit Tigers. So they are, are in a tie for first place at 94-67, and 67, heading into the final game of the 2018 regular season. And if both teams win... If both teams win or if both teams lose, then there would be a game 163. It'd be a National League Central Division tiebreaker between the two teams if both teams were to lose or both teams were to win this afternoon. Meanwhile, you look in the West, Colorado and L.A. are in a dead-even tie heading into the last game of the season. Um, both at 90 and 71. I told you that the uh, as the Rockies lost last night, got whooped by the Nationals, who have been eliminated from the postseason since that David Boat walk-off grand slam back in August. Um, they got whooped by the Nationals by a final score of 12-2. As the Dodgers and the Rockies are in a tie for first place at 90 and 71. So. Pay attention to those uh, in between NFL games, or if or while you're waiting for the uh, Ravens Steelers game to start. You know, you're a baseball fan. Pay attention to those two games because you got uh, first place tie in the National League Central, and then a, you got a tie in the uh, National League West, and that's going to be very exciting. Um, the Dodgers and the Giants winning pitcher was Alex Wood. He pitched, uh, came on in relief, gave inning in the third, didn't give up anything, struck out two. Clayton Kershaw, who started the game and who's expected to be a big-time performer for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers this postseason, um, something he has not been able to do his uh, career. That's kind of that's kind of made him snake-bitten, at least when he plays and performs in the playoffs. He pitched, he started, he went five innings, gave up eight hits, four runs, and four strikeouts, got the no decision. His ERA is a point two seven three to end the regular season. Mark Melanson, who who is not who is no um Mariano Rivera, who came on in relief for the San Francisco Giants, pitched one inning, two hits, and gave up the Machado triple. And that's where we stand with the National League pennant race. So now I'm going to switch gears to stay on baseball, but I'm going to switch gears to my 2018 Baltimore Orioles. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who don't know, been living under a rock, or don't care, the Baltimore Orioles in a 2018 calendar year 
has been something to forget. This is a team that Major League Worst, Worst, not just Franchise Worst, but Major League Worst, 115 losses and 46 wins. Their winning percentage is 286. Meanwhile, when Tina won the division, the Boston Red Sox are 107 and 54 with a 665 win percentage. And guess how many games the Orioles are out of first place? 61 whole games. They would have to play until Thanksgiving. They'd have to play perfect in a perfect they would have to play perfect baseball till Thanksgiving in order for them to get in striking distance of the Boston Red Sox. They have a minus 274 run differential. That's runs given up with minus runs scored. The offense has the offense has been terrible. Chris Davis, who is not playing any of these last few games, he he leads the team with 192 strikeouts. He finishes his regular season with the major league worst. 168 batting average with 16 home runs and 49 RBIs. And he, and he has not been hurt or injured all year. Yet, somehow, some way, and I was the idiot for rooting for it. Because, you know, he hit 47 home runs. You know, 47, 53 home runs. I thought, hey, I mean, this guy's valuable. I mean, we can't just let him walk out the door. My dad was telling me over and over. He was like, you know, John, this is, this isn't a good signing. And no team's going out for him. I didn't listen. So, so what what happened? Well, the genius and Peter Angelos and Dan Duquette. Gave him the largest Orioles contract of all time. And what does it get you? 192 strikeouts. A 168 batting average. 16 home runs and 49 RBIs. I mean, it's really a joke. It really is a joke. And this is a team that two years removed were in a situation to play the American League wildcard game on the road against the Toronto Blue Jays.
had one of the best closers, quite frankly, at this game, at this point in time, has ever seen in Zach Britton. He had 47 consecutive saves. He had, this is really the first postseason run outside of 2012 where you had Manny Machado available to you. Because of 2014, if you don't remember, he missed most of the season because he hurt his knee running first base late in the season against the Rays when we were eliminated, when we. We had a we had a plus plus five hundred record, but we were eliminated from playoff contention. Remember, he hurt his knee late in the season in two thousand thirteen, so required him to miss most of the season in two thousand and fourteen. Then he came back for like a month and a half, and then he hurt his knee again when we played the New York Yankees back in August, and then he missed the postseason run there. But you had Manny Machado and Zach Britton. And Buck Showalter, who odds are is going to be playing, not playing, but managing his last game of his, if not Orioles' career, his Major League career. He's going to be managing his last game. And f I love Buck. And there might be a sellout. I'm, I'm not even sure. But he's done a lot for this organization. Because he got here in t August of 2010. Orioles haven't been competitive or even good since 97 at the time. And really, it took him a year and a half, two years, for him to turn the, this organization around. And he had 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16. Five straight years of 500 better baseball. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Two wild card game appearances. Two ALDS appearances. And a division title. I love Buck, but you know, he will rue the day and will have nightmares till the day he passes about putting Ubaldo Jimenez in, in that game against the Toronto Blue Jays and having Zach Britton up in the bullpen waiting for a shot and he never got. And it's just, it's just been a disgusting season. I mean, you got bums out on the field who can't play. Pitching stinks. Chris Tillman. Brad, Brad, this Chris Tillman stinks. Bundy's inconsistent. 
Cobb, who we signed, is a major disaster. Kashner can't pitch his way out of a paper bag. I mean, Trey Mancini, sophomore slump. Oh, my gosh. Chris Davis was awful. Caleb Joseph. I still don't understand why we let Matt Wieters walk thinking that Caleb Joseph was going to be anything better. He stinks. I mean, Tim Beckham is bad. It was it it was one of the worst seasons in major in I'm a god damn sad and I know you got last year's 0-16 Cleveland Browns I know you got the 2008 Detroit Lions I know you have the Philadelphia 76ers that went through that time where they did nothing but tank I I don't care I'm going on the record here Sunday September the 30th. 2018 at 9.51 in the morning at the time I'm recording this I'm telling you right now that the 2018 Baltimore Orioles are, are the worst or are, are one is the worst team in professional team sports they're, they're the worst team in professional sports of all time they are the goat of losing. Because their organization had a chance to do something great. Their organization was in the perfect was set up perfectly to be one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. Like I said, Zag Britton, Manny Machado, Adam Jones, who still has it, Jonathan Skulk, who is coming around, and you keep Matt Wieters. And Nick Markakis. That's a bad team. We saw what they could what they could do in 2014. This was a team that was on the doorstep of making the World Series, in just four short years, to just sink into the embarrassing, disgusting, disgraceful egregious shape and area of oblivion is I've been watching I've been watching baseball and I've been a fan of baseball and been a fan of the Orioles a long time but the fact that they have sunk this far into baseball oblivion is hard to believe and it's, unac and it's unacceptable that the fan base has to put up with this. It's really unacceptable. We we, we give we we put up with parking and well not me but you know the adults drive put up with parking and parking passes and and the tickets and sitting in line and the hot sun and and the beer and the hot dog prices and everything. And the traffic and, and gas money 
and watching them on TV, at a, the the, uh, the cable bill. I mean, it, it's just it's really it, it's too much, especially for the fan that, like my father, who was five years old, last time the Orioles won a championship. Or my mother, who was 17, I believe. Yeah, 17, the last time, pretty much almost my age. One year, 16, 17. Pretty, she pretty much was my age last time the Orioles won a championship. You do the math, you figure out how old she, how old she is now. Whether it's them or the 60, 70, 80-year-old who remembers going to games on 33rd Street at Old Memorial Stadium watching from the days of, of Cal in the 80s and 90s to... You know, Brooks and Frank and Boog and Jim and and uh, Rick Dempsey and managed by Earl Weaver and Al Bummer and all those, all those cats back in the day. And or and back forty and fifty years ago. Orioles were pride were once a prideful fan base. Well, I think I'll take that back. We are still a prideful fan base. They 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 were like the gold standard of baseball. Back forty years ago, they were. They were they were a guaranteed ninety plus one team. That they could they they. I mean, I'm looking at the Brewers this year. They got 93 wins. The Dodgers have 90. You know, Red Sox, I said, have like 107. The or, or back in the day, the Orioles could win those games in this in their sleep. And I'm pretty sure those that were a part of those teams, looking back on this now, are sitting back saying, "What the heck happened to the Orioles? I thought I knew and loved." Well, I tell you what happened. Peter Angelos happened. That's what happened. Hated throughout the entire fan base. It's an old, an old fart who was one foot in the grave. Who and does not need much more. I, I, I'm, I'm lost for words. And I'm shocked. I'm like almost a half hour into this, and I'm and I'm shocked that I'm screamed and yelled. Cause, cause this is a disgrace. The fact that Peter Angelos could allow the Orioles could be this bad, given everything that the fan base does for the team. And the rich history that this organization had and its players have. Earl Weaver is rolling around in his grave. And the fact that you let 
a once-a-generation player. A player that many compared to Brooks Robinson, the great Brooks Robinson. And you let him walk out the I don't care about, well, we smart market team. And we, we, we can't find the money to pay for him. Well, here's how you find the money. You don't give Chris Davis $161 million. You basically have that all saved up, which is what Angelos and Duquette, their brilliant Harvard graduate minds, should have had thinking, well, hey, if Machado keeps playing the way he's playing, he's going to want a big payday, you know, three, four years down the road. So he best let Chris Davis walk and and break the bank on Manny Machado and, and give him $300 million or whatever, how much money he wants. No, we're going to give Chris Davis, who can't hit his way out of a paper bag if his life depended on it, who can't hit the ball in the ocean. And I don't care about ADHD and garbage, okay? He's a professional baseball player. His arms are as, are as big as boulders on Mount Olympus. I don't want to hear it. He's not some scrawny 13-year-old, you know, having to go up against Major League Pitching. Chris, if you did, if Chris Davis could be mistaken for a football player, that's how big he is. I don't want to hear it. And you let Manny Machado walk out the door for virtually nothing. And expect us Orioles fans to sit up here and tolerate this garbage. I, I I've been watching Orioles game. I've I've sat I haven't sat down and intentionally watched an Orioles game since May Machado left. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't. Why? It's no need to. It's too painful. I watch game they screw up, I get angry. Because I, I care about them too much and I love them too much. I they 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 suck me in emotionally. I can't do it. They they watch they score. I, it puts me in a bad mood the rest of the night. I mean, you know, it's just it's just the truth. I can't do it. I haven't gone to a single Orioles game this year, and I'm gl and I'm glad I did that. Cause the idea of spending money to go watch a garbage team play, that's been giving us relatively the same crap for the outside of '96 and '97 and and the f and. The five years of 2012 and 2016, the idea of spending money to go watch this garbage, it, it churns my stomach. Especially considering the fact that one of our best players in franchise history is gone. I honestly don't care where May Machado goes. I'm serious. I don't care if the Dodgers give him a big fat deal and tells uh, 
Seager to kick rocks. I don't care if he signs with if he goes home and signs with the Miami Marlins. I don't care if he signs with the Philadelphia Phillies. I don't care if he joins the bunch of Orioles transplants and Brad Brock and Darren O'Day, uh, Nick Markakis, and uh, there's one other guy I'm forgetting, Kevin Gosman in Atlanta. I don't care if he goes to the New York Yankees. I honestly don't care. I do not care. I don't. I don't care if he goes to the Yankees. I don't care. Because quite honest, because who, 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 who would want to, who, who, who would want to sign with this garbage and pathetic piece of trash that that is the owner Peter Angelos. Who, who, who would? Who would? Oh, honestly, as much as it would kill me. Who, who, who can blame him? Who can blame him? The Orioles have no one to blame but themselves. Not Machado. They have everything that they've put themselves in has, has been a self-inflicted wound to themselves. And they've wasted Manny Machado. They've They've thrown Showalter under the bus, especially Duquette, that piece of filth, plenty of times. And Showalter has too much class not to take a shot back at him, even though he has every right that he should. And he's wasted Adam Jones, a player who was traded from the Seattle Mariners for Eric Bedard. Never forget that trade. 10, 11 years ago. Has been the heart and soul of this team, this organization, and in the city of Baltimore for all he's done throughout the community. And Adam Jones is no young buck anymore. He's getting up there and he wants to win a championship. And even if he leaves, it would kill me to see him go. But in the best interest for him, his two sons that he has, his wife and his entire family, I want him to go to a go to a team that that will treat him like the king of Baltimore. That he was here. I want him to go to a team that will, oh, that will have open arms and will love Adam Jones, give him anything he wants, give him the contract he wants, pampers him, and and gives Adam Jones the world. And in return, I hope he gets a championship. I want him to go to a team. I want I am 
I want to see Adam Jones in the next year to five years. I want to see Adam Jones at the end at at the end of October raising the Commissioner's Trophy with his WWE Championship belt on his shoulder, pieing everybody in sight. And I was seen with a championship. Same with Manny Machado. I want the Dodgers to go deep into the postseason, and I want to see Manny win one. Because those two brothers really deserve it. And other teams deserve their excellence, not only on the field, but off the field as a human being and as a man. Because those two guys are one of a kind. And I want to thank them both individually for what they've done to the city of Baltimore, the state of Maryland, and the Major League Baseball organization that is the Baltimore Orioles. And Buck Showalter, too. What they did, I will never forget. And I will remember and cherish for the short time they did it for as long as I live. And I wish Jones, Showalter, and Machado well. I want Jones and Machado to end up on teams and end up on organizations that appreciate them and their services and in return gives them a gives them a championship ring or two or three. I don't care what team they end up on. Just as long as I know that that the team that they're on is treating them right and that they have a chance to do something that quite honestly will never do as long as Pete Angelos is the owner of the Baltimore Orioles. And that is win a championship. Because with this disgusting, abysmal, embarrassing Major League Baseball season, it wasn't a chance on Mars, Pluto, the moon, Earth, heaven, or hell that the Orioles I'm going to win a championship, especially Peter Angelos, his majority owner. I'll come back and I'll talk week three, it's leading off with Saints and Falcons. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelaka TIA's podcast. Um, with your host, Josh Shields. Um, gonna go, finally, switch to, switch gears to the NF, switch gears to the NFL. Uh, recap week three, and then get on with week four and give you my picks, and then call it a day. Um, 
So let's get to it. Um, the Saints, the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons played a great game on uh, last Sunday. The uh, Saints won by the final score of, I believe, it was 30, 37 to 31. Check it right now to refresh my memory. 43-37. Um, yeah, so Saints won the game. My final score, 43-37. to 37. Um, Drew Brees was 39 for 49, passing through with 396 yards, three passing touchdowns, and ran for two touchdowns, including the game winner in overtime. Um, he passed Brett Favre for most pass completions in NFL history with 6,300 of them. So you got that history nugget. Um, Michael Thomas had 10 receptions for 129 yards. He passed Julio Jones of, with 34 receptions by a receiver in his team's first three games to start a season. That goes down, That will go down in the NFL history books. Ted Ginn, Cameron Meredith, and Zach Lyon all had the receiving touchdowns for the New Orleans Saints. And Alvin Kamara had 15 receptions, 124 yards receiving. Um... For the uh, New Orleans Saints, uh, Matt Ryan he was he completed 26 out of 35 of his passes, threw for 374 yards and five touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, rookie out of uh, Alabama, uh, he had his coming out party uh, last Sunday. Um, he had seven receptions with 146 yards and three touchdowns. Um, the first Falcons player to have three receiving touchdowns in a game since Algie Crumpler in, back in 2006. Julio Jones, the uh, Falcons' main leading receiver, had five receptions and 96, 96 yards and a loss. Um, today, the Falcons play my Cincinnati Bengals at home. Bengals coming off of a uh, road loss by 10 to the uh, Carolina Panthers. Long story short, Cam Newton, um, Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey did it to our Bengals defense. Um, Cam Newton was unstoppable in, in the many aspects of the game that he can beat you in with his with his running the ball, uh, passing it. And he he was just just tore up our defense. And Christian McCaffrey had over a hundred and thirty rushing yards. I mean, you cannot expect to win football games when you got Christian McCaffrey running the ball like he did and with Andy Dalton throwing four interceptions can't win games like that um but I'll pick that game later on in the program uh the New Orleans Saints head to uh MetLife Stadium as they take on the uh the New York Giants coming off of their first one in the season on the road against the Houston Texans should be an interesting matchup there And then let's head to the last week's Sunday night game. It was the New England Patriots and the Detroit Lions. Uh, Matthew Stafford went had twenty set was twenty seven for thirty six, 
262 passing yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Kirion Johnson, who, what, yeah, I thought the same thing. 16 rushes, 101 rushing yards. First 100-yard rusher for the Lions since Reggie Bush in 2013. Think about that for a minute. Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay had the receiving touchdowns for the Detroit Lions. Oakland on the losing side, Tom Brady, Mr. TB12, the GOAT. Oh, gosh, it makes me sick. Uh, he was 14 for 26, 133 yards, and a touchdown and interception. Gronk shut down again for a second straight game, four receptions, 51 yards. Chris Hogan, three receptions for 31 yards. The New England Patriots, this is their... This is the first time they've lost back-to-back games since week 16 and 17 in 2015. Remember, that was the year that they went to the AFC Championship game against the on the road against the Denver Broncos and lost. Um, which leads me to this. The New England Patriots offense, and their defense for that matter, is awful. The Patriots have now gone two straight games with no first quarter points. On a season, they have a total of seven, seven, seven first quarter points. Their defense, we know for a long time, and it's just been the genius of Belichick that's been able to put a band-aid over a gunshot wound and put makeup over a large pimple and uh which is which basically when they had the players, you know, it was no big deal. But they're not the same Patriot defense. Mark Malcolm Butler's gone for what it's worth. Uh now I'm not saying that Matt Patricia was um buddy Ryan, but you know, he's gone. This Patriot defense is not good. I mean, when you when you allow Blake Bortles to light you up like that, like he did two weeks ago, and uh, then you allow Deshaun Watson to play decently well and put up uh, and put up points against you in your own building, and then and you got to sit up and you got to. Odds are you got to play Jacksonville again, if not Kansas City with their high-power high offense and the Steelers if they get their act together. That, if I'm a Patriots fan, that's very unsettling because their defense has been awful these first few weeks of the season. You can't sugarcoat it. Their defense has been bad. Letting big plays happen down the field, letting, allowing the quarterback to stretch the field on them, throwing it deep, allowing, you know, Kirion Johnson, you know, he, he, this is not Barry Sanders, allowing no names like Kirion Johnson rush for over 100 yards up on you. I mean, the, 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 that, 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 that is. That is very, if I'm a Patriots fan, that is very unsettling. Now, again, you can't sit up and throw in the towel just yet because they are Brady and Belichick, and I watched them beat the Dolphins today by 30 points. But 
you know, you know, objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear, and it looks like the end is closer than we think it is, and, you know, all dynasties and all good things must come to an end, and, uh, it looks like that the Patriots are almost down for the count, if you ask me. I'll pick that Dolphins and Patriots game later in the program. Um, moving on to uh, Chiefs and 49ers. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, which almost was, um, which was at some point uh, Tom Brady's protege, which is probably, if you ask me why there's so much friction and, and and uh, bad blood going on with Brady and Kraft and Belichick now is because of the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. But anyway, um, Brady's protege, former protege, Jimmy Garoppolo, towards ACL in a, a loss to the Kansas City Chiefs on the road last week. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, holy goodness. I mean, again, I don't think they're going to a Super Bowl, but the way they keep playing, you never know, they could... They could make me eat crow and make the Sports Illustrated writers who picked up to go to the Super Bowl look like geniuses because they move on to 3-0. and uh, Patrick Mahomes, excuse me, 24 for 38, 314 passing yards and three touchdown passes. So it's a record dating back to 1950. That's the... That's the best record for most touchdown passes in a QB's first four, first four games of his NFL career. I mean that 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 is pretty impressive, really. And again, and it was the Steelers secondary when they played the Steelers. That was a big help to Patrick Mahomes playing on fire. And the Chargers are a wishy-washy type of team. You know, if their offense is on fire, their defense can't st- can't stop a uh, tumbleweed. You know, they're a wishy-washy team. But Patrick Mahomes, and I get it, it's the Chiefs who always play well the first month, month first month or two in the, in the NFL season when the weather's still warm. And it's Andy Reid, choke job artist. But Patrick Mahomes is looking like the real deal. I mean, he is throwing dots, he's stretching the field, he's using Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill uh, to the team's benefit, he's spreading the ball around, he's great field awareness, can read defenses, he's doing a fantastic, fantastic job in replacing Alex Smith for the Kansas City Chiefs, I was not that high on him, I thought the Chiefs were idiots for getting rid of Alex Smith, because I thought Patrick Mahomes, uh, who what, yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't think much up, much of him coming out of college, but he's making me eat my words. Because ever since he stepped on the NFL field as a starter, since uh, week one in uh, Los Angeles, he's played excellent, excellent, excellent football. <sighs> Moving on to week four in the NFL. Uh, Vikings and the Rams played Thursday night. Vikings and the Rams played Thursday night. 
Uh, the Rams won by the final score of 38-31. to Move on to 4-0 and in first place in their division. Vikings lose two straight coming off of a embarrassing butt whooping by the by the factory of mediocrity that is the Buffalo Bills getting whooped by them at home. The Vikings are now 1-1-2-1. After that, Jared Goff has is on fire. He is 26 for 33 with his best game, set, set the record for the most passing yards in Thursday Night Football history. And what is one of his best games, if not the best game of his young NFL career? 465 passing yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Cooper Cup, his wide receiver, partner in crime, he had a big day too. With the nine receptions, 162 yards, and two touchdown receptions. Brandon Cooks, you know, why in the world, getting back, because I touched on the Patriots earlier, but why in the world did the Patriots trade Brandon Cooks? I don't care if it was a first-round pick. Why in the world would you trade Brandon Cooks? I mean, we saw what he could do with the um, New Orleans Saints. I mean, the guy is a big-time deep threat down the field. He's got speed, elusiveness. You know, Brandon Cooks is a guy you would want to have on your football team. And why Belichick just traded him away for a bag of Doritos, we'll never understand. But anyway, he had seven receptions for 116 receiving yards and a touchdown. Robert Woods had five receptions, 101 yards and a touchdown. Todd Gurley, the Rams running back, had 156 all-purpose yards. That's receiving yards and rushing yards put add up together and a receiving touchdown. They were big time Thursday night. Uh, Jared Goff, I mean, he is he looking like a stud or what? I mean, he, he's, he's looking like last year's version of Carson Wentz. I mean, this guy, I mean, this brother is on another level. I mean... Just uh, he's he's throwing the ball all over the place. I mean, he's getting everybody the ball. Robert, I mean, he's spreading the ball around. I mean, I read it to you. Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, all with over a hundred receiving yards. Everyone's getting the ball. He's spreading the love around. Even he hasn't forgotten Todd Gurley, which is basically, you know, I know Goff's you know a franchise quarterback, but Todd Gurley is a centerpiece and has been the centerpiece of the rebuild of the. St. Louis Rams organization. I mean, he's been there the longest. I mean, yeah, you know, golf is the franchise quarterback, and he's the one that's going to get all the money and all the glory and all the, the fame and the loving out in uh, Hollywood. But, but Todd Gurley's really been the centerpiece for this organization. You know, they early early draft pick uh, back when the team was in St. Louis. So uh, they expected big things out of Gurley, and uh, Goff knows that even though he is the franchise guy, but he hasn't forgotten that that the even though he's the franchise guy, the 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 building the rebuild of the L.A. Rams has been centered around Todd Gurley, and he hasn't forgotten about that as he's been giving Gurley the ball as much as much as he can and as much as possible. Um, on the losing side, uh. Kirk Cousins, who, if you, who, if you ask me, was overpaid heading into this upcoming offseason, getting all that money when he has not earned it, not one nickel. 
going off of his line of work he did at D.C. Um, he was 36 for 50, 422 yards, three touchdowns. He's second in the NFL in passing yards. Uh, Jared Goff is first. In the, Jared Goff leads the league in passing yards with 1,406, completing 72.3% of his passes, 11 touchdowns and two interceptions. Jared Goff is on another level. I mean, if you don't watch out, and especially with the injury of Jimmy Garoppolo and the Seahawks being depleted, that is an easy division to dominate in and to go 14-2, and 13-3. and three. I mean, that, that, that is an easy division to win right there. And I think Jared Goff is, right now, I think Jared Goff is the MVP right now. Is he's the front candidate for the league MVP right now. I mean, this guy. Whew, I mean, I'm running out of words to say because he is just that good, ladies and gentlemen. He is just he is just that good. I mean, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, leading the league in passing yards. I mean, there's nothing. And the, and the Rams are four and zero in first place. I mean, come and Sean McVay gets a lot of credit, but Jared Goff. I mean. This this guy, he 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 he's too legit and he's too legit to quit. I mean, he he is the real deal. But anyway, back to the Vikings. Uh, Kirk Cousins second in the league in passing yards, like I said, with one thousand three hundred eighty-seven. Adam Thielen had eight receptions, one hundred and thirty-five yards, and a touchdown reception. Uh, Aldrich Robinson caught all three touchdowns for the Minnesota Vikings Thursday night. Which and Jared Goff getting back to him again. He's legit, but and don't get me wrong, he all of you know he's for real. But it's time to start. And Mike Zimmer, who former Bengals defensive coordinator, defensive minded head coach, they I think we gotta sit up here and call it in like I like I what I have to do on this show, tell it like a ti is. And that the Minnesota Vikings defense is awful. I mean, Kirk Cousins did not have a did not. I mean, thirty six fifty four hundred twenty two yards, three touchdown passes, a complete bounce back for what he put up against the Buffalo Bills last week. He bounced back. It was that defense that didn't. I mean, gee whiz, they've given up a total of a hundred and ten points so far. In this NFL, in this young 2018 NFL regular year, 110 points so far. 110 points. Now, granted, Aaron Rodgers, okay, but you know, giving up that to Alex Smith and a shot Adrian Peterson and and uh, and uh, Josh Allen. I mean that 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 is. And the and the Buffalo Bills who who had outside of a shot Lashawn McCoy who can't behave himself off the field with girlfriends, you know that 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 is pretty embarrassing. I mean, there's no other way to slice it. That that is pretty embarrassing. I mean, it really, really is. I mean, a hundred and ten points. Now, granted, and and all I ever heard was that. This team was basically the purple people leaders. Google that. Google that. Uh, Seth Higgins. Uh, 
all I ever hear is that that is that this defense is basically the reincarnation of the purple pe- pe- purple people eaters, and they sit up here let Jared Goff have let Jared Goff, Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers, I give him a break, but Jared Goff, Alex Smith, Jared Goff is great, don't not great, but he's good. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, come on now, I mean. 465 yards, five touchdown passes, not a single interception. And not to, and not to mention, they totally spit the bit and vomited all over themselves in an NFC Championship game back in January. Nick Foles, I mean, come on. I mean, I get it. it some of the defense put up points. Some of the uh, Eagles defense put up points. But they were not. But they were not the uh, 85 Bears under any circumstances in an NFC Championship game against the uh, against on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles, where they basically laid down and played dead. I mean that that defense is awful. We all I ever hear is that this defense is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And Mike Zimmer, I know, because he lost his wife and he's got eye issues and he's a strict no nonsense. Uh, no tolerance, kind of zero tolerance type of coach, but he's got to fix it, address his defense, cause this, cause this defense keeps playing the way they're playing, you know. And all I hear is that the Vikings are still a Super Bowl contender, given the fact they have quote unquote a great defense. Well, their defense can, keeps performing the way like this, and eventually Kirk Cousins is going to Kirk Cousins, and uh, if this keeps up. Think the Vikings are in for a uh, seven and nine, eight and eight type of season if they keep this up. Uh, we'll come back and I'll give you two games I'm looking forward to in Week Four, and I'll give you my picks. Uh, we'll be back right after this on the Albert Tillich Italian's podcast with your host Josh Shields. Welcome back to the Albert Tillich Italian's podcast. Um, give you my uh, two games I'm looking forward to here in week four, and then we're going to get on up out of here after I give you my picks after that. Um, two games I'm looking forward to. Well, there's a game I'm looking forward to and a game I want to see. I'm looking uh, of some things I'm looking for. Um, Bears and Buccaneers. Um, the Chicago Bears coming off of a impressive comeback win against the Arizona Cardinals last week. Looking forward to see if Mitch Trubisky can keep it up, and I'm looking forward to seeing if Khalil Mack, who has been on fire since the season started when he was in the Bears uniform, I'm looking forward to see if he can keep it up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are coming off of a loss where Fitzmagic almost struck on national stage in Monday Night Football where they lost to the, made a good comeback, but fell in the end to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is a go to start over Jameis Winston today as much as you would expect. Um, Looking forward to see if the Buccaneers have no defense, which, you know, which let's see if um, Mitchell Trubisky can take advantage of that. But I'm looking forward to see if Fitzmagic can strike again against the Chicago Bears. And my opinion, the game of the week, the game I'm really looking forward to is NBC Sunday football game of the week between the Pittsburgh Steelers 
and the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens coming off of an impressive victory at home last week against the Denver Broncos. Um, this is really like their second real test of the year against a, a against a decent di competitive division opponent. They lost to the Cincinnati Bengals in week two, Thursday night. Um, Ravens are two and one, um, but in second place because the tiebreaker is the record against Cincinnati, and obviously they lost to Cincinnati. Steelers, like I said, coming off of a Monday night win against the Buccaneers where all 30 points they scored was in 30, 31 points they scored was in the first half. The offense did absolutely nothing in the second half. They're looking, they're shopping Le'Veon Bell, trying to get a late round pick and a good player. It's a, it's, 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 it's walking soap opera is your Pittsburgh Steelers. And, um, Looking to see how they fare off against the uh, Baltimore Ravens and see if Ben Roethlisberger will put up a good performance like he did um, Monday night. And with that being said, we'll now close out the show with my Week 4 2018 picks in the league where they play for pay. Okay, so let's start off with my Cincinnati Bengals against the Atlanta Falcons. My Cincinnati Bengals, like I said, coming off of a loss, losing by 10 points to the Carolina Panthers. Um, as they go up against the their first place in the AFC North while the Atlanta Falcons... Uh, fall to one and two, losing in overtime to the New Orleans Saints. Um, I'm going to pick the Bengals in this game going up against the Falcons. Falcons, I'm still not sold there. I'm still not sold on their red zone offense. Matt Ryan is very wishy washy. Um, and I'm just a Bengals fan, so I think they're gonna win the game against Falcons. Uh, Bucks and Bears, like I just said. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick starting over Jameis Winston in this game. Mitch Trubisky, I'm not entirely sold on him. I'm riding the Fitz Magic train until it runs out of gas. Um, I'm taking the Buccaneers over the Bears. Got the Lions and the Cowboys. Cow Lions coming off of a uh, an impressive win at home on Sunday night to get their first win of the season against the New England Patriots. Going against the Dallas Cowboys, who got absolutely dominated on the road in Seattle by the Seattle Seahawks, I'm gonna take the Lions to go to, to go to two and two. Cowboys, I think, are gonna drop to one and three. The Buffalo Bills coming off of an impressive win against the uh, uh, impressive, surprising win against the um, Minnesota Vikings last Sunday. And uh, as they go up against the the Green Bay Packers, who tied the Minnesota Vikings two weeks ago, as they are coming off of a loss to the Washington Redskins, I'm gonna take the Green Bay Packers to bounce back at home against the Bills. I'm gonna take the Packers to go to two one and one, and I think the Bills gonna fall to one and three. Houston Texans, some point, sometime, got to win the game. They lost last week to the uh, New York Football Giants, 
week one to the New England Patriots by a touchdown. And Deshaun Watson's poor clock management cost him a game in uh, week two against the Houston, against the uh, Tennessee Titans. As they go up against the uh, Indianapolis Colts, who almost came away with the win against the defending Super Bowl champion uh, Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz return. I think the Texans are going to win their first game of the year on the road against the Indiana, Indianapolis Colts. Um, Jets and Jags. Uh, the Jets coming off of a loss. Yes, a loss to the Cleveland Browns of all teams. Coming off a loss against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, see if Sam Darnold can can bounce back against that very impressive Jaguars defense that did not that even though lost last Sunday did not give up a did not allow the Tennessee Titans to to uh, to score to uh, go into the end zone. Um, I'm gonna take the Jags to go to three and one over the Jets. Um, Jags defense uh, it, it ain't no joke, and uh, I think Blake Bortles is the uh, Real deal. Moving on to the impressive 3-0 first place Miami Dolphins. Coming off of a coming off of a win against the uh, Oakland Raiders at home. Patriots coming off of a Sunday night loss last week against the uh, Detroit Lions. I'll pick the Dolphins over the Patriots in this game. Eagles coming off of a win at home and Carson Wentz return against the Indianapolis Colts. Titans coming off of a win by a field goal 9-6 to six on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Marcus Mariota's elbow, not just, I'm a little iffy on whether that'll hold up or not. So I'm taking fly, he goes fly on the road to victory. And I think the Eagles going to beat the Tennessee Titans on the road. The 1-2 Seattle Seahawks going up against the 0-3 Arizona Cardinals. The Seattle Seahawks coming off of a win, an impressive win at home in their home opener. So they hit the road again. A rough road stretch for the Seattle Seahawks. Gee whiz, in the first few weeks, month, and season. Um, as they hit the road to play the Arizona Cardinals, who blew a lead to the Chicago Bears uh, last week. And I think the Seahawks are going to move to 2-2. Two and two, And... First and second place in their division because I think they're going to beat the Cardinals. Um, Browns and Raiders. Browns 1-1-1 one, one one, starting Baker Mayfield. Oakland Raiders and John Gruden in his return 0-3 with, especially with the loss of Khalil Mack on defense and their defense is absolutely abysmal giving up making Ryan Tannehill basically look like Dan Marino last week. Huh? Gee whiz. I'm going to take the uh, Browns over the Raiders as I think the Browns are going to move to 2-1-1 one, one, and uh, move into a tie with second place in the AFC North. Uh, 49ers and Chargers, like I said, Jimmy Garoppolo, torn ACL out for the year. So you can uh, say goodnight to the, 40, to the San Francisco 49ers for the 2018 season. Chargers is a game that they have to win and a game that 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 is given to them on a silver platter for them to win. And I think the Chargers are going to beat the 49ers. Saints and Giants. Uh, Saints move. Uh, Saints coming off of a 
win. Yes, Saints coming off. I had to think about that for a minute. Saints coming off of a win against the in overtime on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. I told you about that earlier in the program. Giants coming off of their first win of the season on the road against the Houston Texans. Um, I'm going to take, take the Saints over the Giants in that game. And the two primetime games, um, Ravens and Steelers. Ravens coming off of a win at home against the uh, against the Denver Broncos, like I earlier stated. Uh, Steelers coming off of a slim margin of victory against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. This is Steelers, their second straight um, primetime game. As they hit to the NBC Airways, um, the Steelers are at home, by the way, and I think the Ravens are going to beat the Steelers in that one. Uh, Monday Night Football tomorrow, it's the 2-1 Denver Broncos at home against the 3-0 Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who, like I said earlier, has been absolutely on fire. And uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs to move to 4-0 over the Denver Broncos. We'll come back, and I'll wrap things up for you right after this. All right, so you know where, you're, where you stand with uh, the National League pennant race with the West and the Central for home field, wild card, and division titles. Um, I put a bow and a coup de grace to Adam Jones and Buck Showalter in the 2018 Baltimore Orioles. Recapped week three action for you, as well as the Rams week four TNF win over the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, I gave you my week four picks and what I'm looking forward to see in week four. So, for your host, Josh Shields. This has been another episode of the Arm Until I Can TIS podcast. You can find the podcast by searching on until like a TIS on your ank on the anchor at, on anchor.com or anchor.fm Spotify the spot Spotify and Google and Apple Podcasts. Be sure if this is your first time hearing it and you liked what you heard, uh, make make sure to click that subscribe button. Enjoy game 162 of the Major League Baseball season and enjoy week four of your NFL action. I'm Josh Shields signing out. God bless. Talk to you next week. Y'all take care.